As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality, and that's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research, among them several stand out for relief of occasional minor aches and pains of overexertion, ache action, joint UC, and D-flame. Ache action contains a formula exclusive to Protocol for Life Balance that studies show significantly reduces joint discomfort in as little as five days. Protocol's joint UC is an undenatured type 2 collagen that has been clinically validated for its ability to help maintain healthy joints. And D-Flame has nine plant-based ingredients rooted in traditional herbalism. Each of these products takes its own unique approach to joint stress, flexibility, and mobility. They're available now at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash Protocol for Life Balance for more information and to order. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, today with Layla Mutin, who is my usually usual uh, accompanist. Uh, usually usual. My usually <laughs> usual. Generally, generally usual. You know. uh, so... Uh, what's our next question, Lily? We have an email from Sue. Thank you for all the information you provide. It is much appreciated. I have lupus and Sjogren's. Now, I, okay, that's an interesting combo yeah. because those are two autoimmune yeah. diseases. Yeah. You know, uh, and they may be some overlap because, you know, when God created diseases, he didn't, you know, say, hmm, let me create a, I'll create a lupus. Okay, I'm done. Now, I'll create a Sjogren's. And, and it, then on Sunday, <laughs> right? <laughs> Boy, that was tiring. You know, like when it's sick. Yeah. so uh, the their autoimmune diseases. The characteristic mm-hmm. of lupus could be that it affects any organ of the body. Yeah, uh, they sometimes um, they they uh, analogize lupus to the wolf that mm-hmm. ravages the body, and it can affect the brain. It can affect the, skin, the heart and the be... skin. Uh, certainly the kidneys, yeah. uh, the eyes, there's many uh, manifestations of lupus. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sjogren's, uh, did you say? Yes, Sjogren's. Sjogren's uh, is a disease that is uh, associated with um, some of the features of, of lupus, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, certainly there's dryness mm-hmm. of the mucous membranes as a, as a feature that people with dry mouth, dry eyes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Sue wants to know if there are any supplements that she should not take and which might make her autoimmune situation okay. worse. So, so there's, a, yeah. I think what she's driving at mm-hmm. is the thought that uh, since the strategy for dealing with this is to block or suppress the immune system, mm-hmm. many supplements purport to augment the immune system. Yes. I mean, I wish I had a buck for every, uh, you know, advertisement or every uh, product promotion, yeah. which is based on let's fend off colds and flus, you know, it's flu season. I mean, we even have products, you know, right. in our lineup like that, like uh, oregano. Oregano, uh, vitamin C. Right, which we talk about as, you know, ways to, uh, as a bulwark against uh, infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not that simple. It's not that simple. It's not like, I've said this in the past, I'll reiterate it. The immune system is not like a dimmer switch, you know, which you, you push up and the immune system is strong and you push down and it's weaker. It's, if you can imagine a dimmer switch in not just two dimensions, but 
maybe hundreds of dimensions because mm -hmm. there's so many aspects to the immune system. So the patients with lupus are both immune hyperactivated and immune suppressed yeah. at the same time. They're yeah. immune dysregulated. Mm. So supplements that we like for immune support often have a dual benefit. They can be beneficial for autoimmune conditions, mm -hmm. but they can also regulate, uh, they can also uh, enable people to be more resistant to infections. Right. It's kind of the Goldilocks. Yeah, of, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the Goldilocks effect, not too hot, not too cold, just right. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, there's some people who would argue that you shouldn't be taking something like an echinacea long-term if you have an autoimmune condition. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't be taking echinacea long-term anyway. Anyway, right, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's periodic, you know, maybe during the season or if you feel like yeah. you're coming down with something or during a cold or flu. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've really, I think, hit on a big nutritional controversy. controversy. Yeah. And we could write, like, a long essay on this subject, mm -hmm. gathering information uh, from different sources, and we might have pro and con on yeah. that, you know, that... Yeah. Uh, so what are some of the immune-enhancing things that we talk about? Well, oregano, okay. I don't think oregano is bad, per se, for this condition. Right. Um, Olive leaf. Uh, probiotics. I think probiotics, probiotics are immune-enhancing, but they're also immune-regulating. Yes. Uh, so they help to heal leaky yeah. gut, which may have a beneficial effect in this condition. Melatonin may be questionable. Right. Melatonin is, is, has been questioned in autoimmunity, but I don't see the really yeah. strong... Yeah. robust evidence against it. Right. Uh, there was one scenario, I think this was uh, brought up by Dr. Leo Galland, is yep. he said in Crohn's disease yep. that melatonin is not particularly helpful or However, it is helpful in irritable bowel syndrome. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, not quite right. as severe or inflammatory. Yes. Yes. Um, it, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, mushroom extracts, you yeah. know, things like AHCC, mm -hmm. reishi mushroom, are these bad? Are they going to make the immune system stronger and counteract some of the immunosuppressive drugs? Yeah. Uh, I don't know the answer for sure. Right. I don't think it's really been uh, experimentally verified. On a theoretical basis, there may be some cautions about that. Sure. But I, I really think there's a dearth of research on that. Mm-hmm. You Sue, know? Sue's a 74-year-old female who exercises regularly, eats a fairly healthy diet, well, that's good in, in light of the condition good, she has. Yeah. yeah, but she does have high blood pressure, which is being treated. Okay. She also does intermittent fasting on a 16-8 That's, by regimen. the way, wonderful for autoimmunity. And it just came out yeah. in an article that, uh, I mean, there have been two big articles. One was a review article in December mm -hmm. that talked about the benefits of intermittent fasting. Um, and for cognitive, mm -hmm. for cardiovascular, for metabolic, like diabetes, uh, but also for inflammatory conditions. And then there was an article that said that you can really tamp down inflammation, which is a key element of conditions like scleroderma and... Yeah, um, Sjogren's and uh, lupus. And sh and sh right, mm -hmm. Sjogren's in this case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They both so start with S, so I get, I get confused. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Sue, so yeah, intermittent fasting is a very good idea. And, uh, and also in all autoimmunity, it's best to... Uh, eliminate gluten and dairy, especially cow's milk. Paleo, dairy. paleo diet. Paleo diet. It's, it's actually called nightshades. It's called the AIP, the autoimmune paleo diet, the autoimmune which protocol. has been popularized by Terry Walls for MS. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know that um, Sarah Ballantyne as well. Right, the right. AIP. Mm -hmm. All good.
All very, very good. So we hope you feel better soon. Thank you for your email. Well, he, you know, it's, with her, it's not a matter of feeling better. I think she's someone who's coexisting with three conditions. Mm. She's in her 70s. She has uh, these two autoimmune conditions, and she has hypertension, which is yeah. such a common thing, you know, fact of life for many people in their 70s. Right. And she's, you know, kind of powering through it. And she's addressing it with diet and exercise as best she can. I don't see much about her medical regimen in that. She doesn't mm -hmm. say that she's taking powerful immune suppressant drugs. Yeah. Yeah. But right. things that would be helpful, you know, she didn't ask about that, but, you know, yeah. vitamin D would be helpful, certainly, and omega-3 fatty acids. There's a powerful immunomodulator. Yeah. Right? Okay, vitamin D. Make sure your vitamin D status is good. Yeah. What do we want? A range between 50 and 80? For that, for sure. So? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it might require high doses to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got an email from Roger. Hi, and thank you both for your hard work and persistence. I, I like that comment because, you know, it. a lot of people acknowledge our hard work, but persistence... <laughs> Is we persist in these podcasts? Yes, we persist. <laughs> we persist in doing them. Yeah, in finding the time to do. Because it was like today, yeah. it was like, okay, I've got an appointment, and then I'll be free. And then you go, no, but I have an appointment. Uh -huh. And there was like, it, and there was like, well, what about tomorrow? It's like, oh, well, I'll be free tomorrow. But then it's like they added a patient for me tomorrow. Right, so I, right, right, right. So it's like, so, it's like, what do we so, do? Like, so half of it is just sitting down <laughs> to do it. What time? What time? What time? Right. Yeah. Do we have? Can we carve out some time to do this? We are persistent in that regard. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Roger. Will you discuss using berberine rather than metformin? Is berberine just as effective as controlling blood sugar as metformin? And is there an issue taking berberine every day? Okay. So there's some evidence that metformin is a longevity enhancer. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, it, it's a diabetes drug, but it also may mm -hmm. enhance uh, longevity mm -hmm. through a variety of mechanisms, you know, the AMPK system. Right. And Roger uh, is not diabetic, by the way. Okay. So, so mm -hmm. there's actually uh, an experiment going on in the Bronx now with just older individuals who are being given metformin mm -hmm. uh, to assess whether it's going to make them live longer, yeah. you know, whether it, it statistically enhances their longevity. Mm -hmm. um, and it certainly has anti-cancer benefits. Yes. So that might be a primary reason besides diabetes. It's one diabetes. of the reasons, but it's not. It's actually yeah. going beyond just preventing cancer in terms of extending longevity. It does something to some of the metabolic machinery that somehow slows uh, the aging process itself at a very fundamental level. So it's an interesting substance. Hmm. Um, how it works is actually a little mysterious. It's they're only. Sometimes they invent medications and then they discover how they work later. Uh, so uh, one of the ways that it works is it works on the GI tract. It changes the microbiome. Now, that's not the only way that it works, mm -hmm. but that's uh, berberine is also used for blood sugar control. Yes. But it's, it is a natural antimicrobial. And yes. it great for diarrhea. It's great for diarrhea. It's, it, I many many years ago, the only reason I was using berberine was for gastrointestinal problems. Somebody yeah. who has IBSD with diarrhea and urgency, we'd give them berberine, and it, it was known to uh, take care of that, to, yeah. to solidify the stool mm -hmm. and uh, fight gastrointestinal pathogens. Mm -hmm. Well, now now it's been shown to be helpful for blood sugar, and also maybe for metabolic syndrome. So it's an insulin sensitizer. They're similar in that they both work on the microbiome. They're probably different in the way that they work 
uh, ex uh, outside the GI tract. They probably have effects outside the GI tract. Yeah. So is berberine a one-for-one -one substitution for metformin? No. No. Uh, is it similar in its results and its mode of action? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is berberine an anti-aging compound on a par with uh, metformin? Uh, probably not, mm -hmm. but it's a beneficial compound. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And in taking berberine, uh, taking berberine wouldn't necessarily uh, lower the absorption of certain B vitamins that you would need to amp up when taking metformin. Metformin, metformin interferes with B12 yeah, in particular. B12. Maybe folate. And we have one well. patient where we really found that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. B12 just tanked. Yeah. So we had to beef him up. We're giving him metformin for his prostate cancer, and yes. he's doing very well. It's yeah. a guy with pretty pretty advanced prostate cancer when it was discovered like 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. And he's doing great. He's doing really great, but he does it all. He does the exercise, diet, uh, he takes well. a million supplements. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, and we can put him on metformin for cancer prevention. Yeah. Uh, but his B12 went very low. Mm -hmm. So we give him a little B12. Right. And that's an easy fix. You take a supplement, it takes care of that. Yeah. Warning. Any health professional, it. you got a patient on metformin, check their B12 level. Yeah. Any patient who's on metformin, your doctor hasn't checked the B12 level, get your B12 level checked. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Roger, thank you for that very thoughtful question. Wow. This comes from Martin. Dear Dr. Hoffman, I'm a 72-year-old male, and until recently was very healthy. Wait, they're all 70 today. They're all 70s today. <laughs> very cool. Well, 70s is the new 50s. Yeah, right. Here we go. Thanksgiving, I started to feel tired and noticed a tightness in my chest. I thought I had the flu and tried to fight through it. Uh-oh. But I finally saw my primary care physician was told I had walking pneumonia. Oh. And that I needed an x-ray to see if anything else was going on. Walking pneumonia and the boogie-woogie flu? Oh, gosh. No, there's a song. Do you know yeah. that song? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, okay I'm sorry. Well, the x-ray the revealed that I had COPD, and now my doctor wants to see me again to discuss how to deal with this. Okay. My question for you, Dr. Hoffman, is a pneumonia and flu shot something I should take every winter as a precaution? Uh, okay, well, you know, so let's talk about it. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think this is a good heads up is, you know, if you feel that way, especially if you're older, yeah. uh, my first suspicion when I hear that is, oh, my God, this guy's maybe having some heart problems. Mm. Well, that wasn't the case. But mm -hmm. the, the pressure he was feeling was due to the heaviness in the chest. Was Feels the, like an elephant sitting on your chest. That's yeah. a heart attack and it's emphysema or some yeah, such. Yeah, right. Right. So yeah. heart or lungs. Um, I mean, it could be, frankly, it could be heartburn too. It could be, you know, esophagitis, oh, yeah. you know, GERD, reflux, something. That's true. That but, like you know, that. you got to get checked out. That's, it, that's a, that's a part of the body where stuff goes wrong that can be pretty consequential. You don't yeah. want to, you don't want to mess with that. No, no, no. Go so, to the ER. Yeah. Even if it was just gas. Yeah. Aren't you glad you checked it out? So, yeah. evidently this infection may have been long standing and created some inflammation that is now emphysema or COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary yeah, disease. Yeah. And when your lungs are compromised, it's a little worse when you get a cold or a flu or certainly pneumonia. So yeah. he should get the Pneumovax because mm -hmm. he's already de demonstrated susceptibility to pneumonia. There is a Pneumovax that's like, mm -hmm. it's like 21 uh, uh, polyvalent which means it, it protects you against 21 strains now wow. of pneumonia. All in one vaccine. Right. 21 for one. And there, I mean, they want everybody over the age of 60 or 65 to take that. But 
especially if you've got poor lung function and you've had pneumonia, you should take that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not unreasonable to take the flu vaccine because the flu can be pretty devastating and can be yeah. uh, prelude to a bacterial infection. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, here's an example where I'd say it's prudent to take a vaccine. You know, you already have compromised lungs and, you know, one bad bout of the flu could set, put you in a tailspin. So Martin, what do you, what do you think? I mean, am I, am I offending the anti-vaxxers, you know, oh, by saying... probably, but, you know... I mean, there are going to be some is, people out there who say Dr. Hoffman's a sellout, you know. No, 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 no. This is prudent advice for somebody with I think COPD. You'd be, you know, even if you think you're healthy and, you know, maybe you're not at risk, okay, you know, you, you take your chances and it won't be as consequential if you have right, the flu. Right, But if you have really compromised lung function, mm -hmm. it's more of a problem. If you have diabetes, say, like type 1 diabetes, mm -hmm. type 1 diabetes, typically what happens is, say your average blood sugar is a little high, it's 150, you know, that's not perfect, but it's under control. Yeah. As soon as you get the flu, all of a sudden, you, it's like, what's going on? You finger stick, it's like 300, 400. It's complete. Yeah. You lose control of your blood sugar. Yeah. And then you could have a hospitalization with uh, diabetic uh, ketoacidosis. Yes. Due to the flu. Right. Which... You know, messed up your yeah. your body's um, yeah. uh, metabolism. And to explain that mechanism of why blood sugar goes up when we're sick, that's the body's alarm system. That's the way the body deals with it. So for those of you who are getting your hemoglobin A1C checked or you were found to have a higher than normal fasting blood sugar, one of the first questions I ask is, did you have a bad cold or did you were you coming down off the flu or mm -hmm. did you have some kind of infection? Because those are the reasons that right. blood sugar would go up in somebody without diabetes oh, or, speaking, or even with. Speaking of hemoglobin, I want to say this is funny. Yeah. I was listening to like uh, the, one of the diet shows on the air. That's yeah. like paid time on, on the radio mm -hmm. where they strut their stuff, you know, like lose 50 pounds in 40 days, you know, kind of thing. Oh, that. And it was like, <laughs> well, it was like this guy was bragging. He said, I, and he says, and I saw that patient two weeks later and their hemoglobin A1C was better. <laughs> And I'm laughing. Yeah. It sounds good, but it, I'm laughing because hemoglobin A1C is a test that's done every three or four months. Right. So even if you are, get, you know, you, you really turn things around for two weeks, it's just going to put a, it won't do anything yes. to your hemoglobin A1C. It takes, you have to wait. It takes, it takes a good 12 weeks. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess the guy was, he didn't go to that class in medical school or, right. or right. whatever school in. Mm-hmm. Martin, thank you for your question. And by the way, COPD is pretty much uh, progressive, and it's best it, good advice so, is to take the best care of yourself that you can. Now, so when you say well, the doctor wants to tell the, me, you know, come up with a treatment plan for COPD, yeah. treatment for COPD in 2020 is lousy. Yeah, it involves using inhalers, mm -hmm. but it, they're not really that effective no. for it's the, symptom relief. The, it's it. symptom relief; it doesn't affect the course of the disease. Yeah. Thank you for your question. All quick right. question. Do we have a time for We have a quick question from Michael. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. What would be the optimum level of testosterone for a male age 76? And the answer is depends. <laughs> depends on what you're, what's going on with you. Right. Uh, what other benefits occur if the testosterone level is optimum? Mine was 385. Which could be fine. Yeah. Because it's going to be a little lower than in a, you know, uh, in a... Uh, a 20-year-old, uh, you know, college football player. Right. I do take 50 milligrams of DHEA, but it did not seem to raise my it testosterone. It may not. DHEA sometimes raises testosterone, sometimes doesn't. 
So it would just depend. But on it's good. DHEA yeah, is fine. I'm, I'm, you know, I think that's fine to take. Yeah. Um, so that that testosterone. Look, are you feeling really exhausted? Are you feeling very depressed? Mm. Are you? Do you have a big, uh, you know, tire under midsection? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you that's unable to exercise? Right. You know. These are factors that come into play when we decide if someone's going to potentially benefit from testosterone. We saw a patient, by the way, and he was a classic example of someone who could benefit from testosterone. And I can't claim credit for it. He already came. He came to me for diet advice, but he had, he felt, he's a relatively young man mm-hmm. in his mid fifties. Mm-hmm. And he came to me, uh, after having uh, received testosterone, and I looked at the way that the testosterone was prescribed, and it was quite correct. He went to a specialist who really knew how to prescribe testosterone, and he, he, I said, what was happening? He says, well, I was falling asleep on the couch. I had no sex drive. I had no initiative. I was feeling depressed. I say, how do you feel now? He goes, I feel great. He said, and he says, I'm going to the gym. I'm working yeah. out, and he looked good. He looked energetic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, I it remember. was a, a very successful intervention, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, but, uh, this is, you know, in a younger man, mm-hmm. uh, who was found to have low testosterone. Yeah. And he said, it was, by the way, he said it was very low. It was like well under, maybe in the hundreds. Wow. It was really quite low. For a man in his mid fifties. Right. right. That is low. Wow. Wow. Um, so that's, that's, yeah. that's a case that really shouts mm-hmm. out for testosterone replacement. It's not like, eh, you know, right. you're 75 and your testosterone's three in the high three hundreds. That's not too bad. We also no. look at free testosterone sometimes as a measure of that, but yeah. uh, the decision to put a man on testosterone is not just about the number of mm-hmm. their testosterone. It's about what their are we trying to How are they feeling? Are, what are we trying to achieve? What is the intervention going to yeah. allow us to do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, on that note, let's that uh, note, right. sign off for yes. this week. Yes. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sending us uh, all your great emails, great questions this week. Yes, Radio program at AOL.com. Radio program at AOL.com. Keep those questions coming. We'll answer more of them next week. Thank you, Layla. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Dr. Hoffman. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.